0: You are listening to the Grace Covenant Church audio podcast. The images you just saw were all real life events of things that's happened somewhat recently. One picture there you may have noticed was of the Twin Towers. But what's recently happened in our nation, in our world, and if you look at all that's happening around our world today, certainly um, it has this tendency to stir the emotion of fear. Um, And so as we think about Fear, you know, there's all different kinds of fear. We, there's fear of the future. There's fear maybe over our finances. There's the, the fear of the safety of our children. Um, fear for our physical health. What might happen to us? Um, you know, one of the ongoing challenges because of the world we live in is the reality of fear. And one of the things I've discovered, and we're going to talk about this this morning. The greatest challenge of fear is that fear becomes a limiting factor in your life. Fear becomes a lid in your life. Fear becomes that, if not properly confronted and controlled, it becomes that that keeps you from God's best. And because of the reality of what we're dealing with in our society, in our culture today, um, I wanted to spend a few weeks talking about fear. So this morning we're going to talk about kind of what is fear, uh, just kind of fear in general. Um, and then in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about fear of rejection. And that's one of, the, one of the strong fears that we deal with in our humanity is we, we long for acceptance So the fear of rejection. We're going to talk about uh, fear of, of failure. Uh, how do we respond to that? And so, sometimes we're so afraid of failing that we actually don't do anything. Um, and then we're going to talk about fear of the future. And as we look to what's happening in the political climate, as we look to what's happening in our world, uh, again, all of that feeds um, this emotion that can be overwhelming of fear. So we're going to talk about that over the next few weeks. Now, what we do know is that fear, not, not all fear is bad. I mean, fear can be good, right? Fear can move us from a place of danger toward a place of safety, uh, so not fear. It's not that fear is always bad. However, when fear becomes again a controlling factor in our lives, that's when we have challenges. So as we as we kick this off this morning, let's first do just a really quick survey. Let's talk about what we are afraid of. What is it that scares you? So this is we're going to interact for a minute, and I'll start. I'll start with my fear. I am afraid of snakes. I snakes. Just to see a snake, like it can be way over there and it still bothers me because I have this fear of, of snakes. So what else? What, what are you afraid of? Spiders, those little bitty creepy crawly insects. So spiders, losing control, fear of losing control. Someone over here said, cockroaches cockroaches. Cockroaches. yeah (laughs) 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 what what else what are you afraid of fear of death terrorism fear of terrorism fear of kind of connected fear of future future events and reality of what's happening in our world Dennis, yeah, de- fear of the dentist. And no offense to the dentist in the building today. Health? Health issues? Fear of health issues? It's interesting that according to most studies, people's number one fear is public speaking. like Like what I'm doing today. Death is number two. Now, does that sound right? I mean, think about that. This means to the average person, if you go to a funer- funeral, you're better off in the casket than you are doing the eulogy. <laughs> doesn't make sense, does it? But I think that's what fear does, does to us. Oftentimes it causes us to, to act irrationally, but but fear, fear does run rampant in our society today, and, and at times it's inaccurately fed by my media, by the newspaper, by the news stations, for Uh, For example, sometime back, Bob Garfield, who's a journalist, began to do some research about um, what the experts were saying about the state of humanity, the state of people in the United States of America. And so he did some research, USA Today, the Washington Post, and the New York Times. And again, he's pulling information about what the experts are saying about us. this This is what he found in their reporting. 59 million Americans have heart disease. 53 million people suffer migraines. 25 million Americans have osteoporosis. 16 million Americans struggle with obesity. 3 million Americans have cancer. 12 million have severe disorders such as brain injuries. Adding up the estimates, Garfield determined that most Americans are seriously sick. In his article he stated, either as a a society we're doomed or someone is seriously double dipping. And what you don't want to do is you don't want to listen to ABC, NBC, or woe is me networks (laughs) that have a tendency to feed fear. It generates fear most of the time promoting an agenda. Um, I can always tell when when I hang around a grace covenant congregant, Who's been binging on the news, whether it's Fox News or CNN? You you pick which one you like. I can always tell when I'm hanging out with someone when they've been binging on the news, like they've got too much news, and it it stirs something that can be unhealthy. And again, I'm all for being informed. I think we should be informed, but if we're not careful, there's um, there's an agenda uh, of the media to stir what can end up being an unhealthy fear uh, that can become consuming in our lives. So, So rather than being warriors, I believe we're called to be warriors. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, you're called to be a warrior. Rather than being consumed by fear, I believe that we are called to be fear fighters. What you don't want to do is you don't want to allow fear to rob you of faith and keep you from the future that God has for you. You don't want fear to be the limiting factor in your life. I think it's interesting that that the single command in Scripture that occurs more than any other command is found in two words, here it is, fear not. More than anything else, God the Creator who created us, knowing our humanity, knowing how we function, knowing what we were going to be challenged with. 366 times as recorded in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, God says, fear not, don't be afraid, take courage. Now, why would God say that again and again and again? 366 times. It's like one fear not for every day of the year. Why would God be so adamant about that? Pastor John Ortberg in his book, If You Want to Walk on Water, you Got to Get Out of the Boat, great book, I would highly recommend it. He makes this statement, and I believe it's so accurate as to why God says, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear, again and again. It's there in your notes. He says, I believe the reason God says fear not so often is that fear will sink us faster than anything else. Fear disrupts faith and becomes the biggest obstacle to trusting and obeying God. Now again, not all fear is bad. Fear can be positive if it motivates us to remove ourselves from a place of danger. But most of the time, it's fear that keeps us from acting on faith. Most of the time, it's fear that paralyzes us and feeds worry. Most of the time, it's fear that keeps us from trusting God and following God. That's why God's word continually challenges us to fear not. So so what is fear? I gave you a simple definition there. In your sermon notes this morning, so we're kind of all on the same page, fear is a strong emotional reaction to perceived imminent danger that's characterized by fight, flight, or freeze responses. It can be real or imagined, rational or irrational, normal or abnormal. The question this morning is not, will you, will you have to face fear? I think the very reality, the fact that we live in a fallen world tells me that you're going to have to face fear. It will come knocking at your door. So the question is not, will you face fear? I think the real question is, is how are you going to respond when fear comes knocking? How are you going to respond when you're facing that challenging obstacle that's like bigger than life? How are you going to respond when you get that call from the doctor and it's not the news that you wanted? How are you going to respond when you got airplanes flying into the Twin Towers? For me, it's not a question, are you going to have to face Fear. The real question is, is how are you going to respond to it? Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to allow fear to rule over your life. You don't want to allow fear to rob you of the potential of the future that God has for you. This morning we're going to look at a story from the Old Testament where, where fear had a negative effect. All because of fear, there was a large group of people that missed the future God had for them. Fear actually robbed them of what God wanted to give them. Interesting. The story's recorded in Numbers 13 and 14. Easy to get to, starting at the front, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Let me set the story for you, and then we'll read a portion of it. By God's direction, He sends the leader Moses to Egypt because God wants to bring His people out of Egypt, a place of bondage, slavery, where they've been abused and mistreated, for over 400 years, to take them to the promised land, the abundant land, the land flowing with milk and honey, what he wants to give them. That's the future he had for them. So he sends Moses. There's the ten judgments. I mean, God reveals his power to Pharaoh, the Egyptians. Moses leads the children of Israel out of Egypt. Uh, There's the parting of the Red Sea. Um, For about three months, they're traveling through the wilderness. In that three months, God's feeding like over one million Israelites uh, with quail and manna. I mean, you know, a lot of food to feed a million people every day. A lot of Big Macs, right? Uh, It would take like a lot of food. So God's meeting them every day, bringing daily provision. They're living in the middle of a miracle. They come right to the edge of the promised land. The land that God wants them to have as their own, their inheritance. Going all the way back to the promise to Abraham. They send 12 spies in to spy out the land. A spy representing each of the tribes of Israel. So 12 men go into the land. They're in the land for 40 days. They come back and said, wow, it's just like God said. It is absolutely unbelievable. Matter of fact, look at the fruit of the land. I mean, it is good. However, but there's a problem. It's a challenge. There's some challenges some giants in the land. And as they come back, as we're going to read in the in the text this morning, ten brought a negative report, two being Joshua and Caleb brought a positive report about the land. And as a result of fear, as a result of fear, the children of Israel never made it to the promised land. At least those who were 20 years of age and older never made it to the promise and they never experienced the fullness of what God had for them and the root the root of the problem again was fear it was fear that led to their disobedience that caused them to miss God's best let's pick up the story because from this story this morning I, I want you to see what happens when you allow fear to rule in your life and it's all right in the story so beginning with verse 26 numbers 13 26 they, being the twelve spies, came back to Moses and Aaron, the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them in the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land of which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people, the people who live there are powerful, and the, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there, the the Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live near the sea and, and along the Jordan. But notice Caleb speaks up. Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and we should take possession of the land. For we can certainly do it. But the men, the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. Well, they're stronger than we are. And they, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. And all the people there are of great size. And he goes on in the latter part of chapter 13 says, hey, we look like grasshoppers compared to them. We're so small. They're so big. Notice the response of the people. Fear moves in. So between verse... 33 and verse 1, chapter 14, fear becomes the ruling emotion for the Israelites. Notice what happens. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, If we had only died in Egypt or in the wilderness... Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Let me restate that for you. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to slavery? That's what they were saying. And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and and go back to Egypt. What we have here in this story illustrates for us what I believe is the danger of fear. Again, the children of Israel, right on the edge of this great future, this great land that God wanted to give them. All they had to do is by faith go in and possess what God wanted. He was going to go before them. He was going to fight for them and with them. All they had to do is go in and take possession of the land. But there was a problem, and here's the problem. It was fear. The problem wasn't the giants in the land. The problem wasn't the fortified cities. The problem was the fear that ruled in their lives. And again, because of that, what they missed. Because of that, it was the limiting factor. And I'm convinced the same will happen in our lives. If we allow ourselves to be ruled by fear, then what? It becomes a limiting factor. It will keep you from God's best. It will keep you from the future God has for you. It will rob you. So what happens? What happens when fear rules in our lives? What can we learn from this story? Because I think what happens here for the Israelites is the same thing that happens for us. I mean, there's obviously different day, different time, different scenario, different details. but, But the results are still the same today. When fear rules in our lives, we get the same results that the Israelites got. So what happens? What happens when fear rules in our lives? The first is this. We, we panic and believe the worst. Very seldom does fear cause us to believe for the best. It, it almost always feeds the negative. For, for example, you go to your doctor for your annual physical. No big deal. It's just what you do every year. You go get your check up. You know, the doctor to give you the thumbs up, everything's good. You go to your doctor for your checkup and the doctor finds something that's uh, concerning. And so the doc says, you know, I don't know about this. I'm going to send you to a specialist so we can get, like, you, get you further checked out. The problem is, is you can't get in to see the specialist for two weeks. In that two weeks, what happens? Your mind begins to go crazy. And so with the With your mind working and the help of the Internet, before you ever get to the specialist, you've already diagnosed yourself with three diseases that's going to take you out. What is it? It's fear. It's worry, anxiety that grows to fear that causes you to panic and believe for the worst. I mean, again, look at the illustration of the children of Israel. When they hear this negative report from the ten spies, fear moves in. As a result of fear, they're certain that they're going to be defeated and destroyed by the giants in the land. They they see absolutely no possibility of success. Why? When fear rules in your life, you will always panic and and believe the worst. I think a second thing happens when when fear rules in our lives, we lose faith. It's like when fear moves in, faith moves out. Fear can can actually um, cause a bit of amnesia in our lives. When fear rules in our lives, it's amazing how quick we forget the greatness of God and the power of God and the provision of God. See, fear, when fear rules in our lives, it, like, it becomes this dominant emotion that, that, um, that darkens everything else. We see this again, the reality of the children of Israel. As, the challenge before, as, they, as a result of the challenge before them, the fear it generated, they lost faith in God. They didn't believe that God would go before them. They didn't believe that they could count on God. It was fear that robbed them of faith. Listen, the same will happen in your life. When fear is the dominant emotion, when it's the controlling emotion, it will cause you to lose faith. Here's the third thing that happens when fear rules in our lives: we exaggerate the situation. Exaggerate the situation. How many of you remember? How many remember the time when you were afraid of the dark? Come on, it's okay. We're all. It's it's a safe place. Let me ask you this: How many of you are still afraid of the dark? And we're really not afraid of the dark, right? We're afraid of what's in the dark. Correct? It's not the dark that bothers us. It's what's in the dark. I know when I was a kid, I was terrified of the dark. Matter of fact, I would not go to sleep if the, uh, I mean, the only way I would go to sleep at night is if the bedroom light was on. Because I was certain something was going to get me. In my mind, I I created monsters. I created all of these living creatures that were out to get me. And they would get me if I was in the dark. So I would go to sleep with a light on. And then Mom would, sometime later, I don't know when, she would come and, and turn the light off. It was amazing how my mind would exaggerate and create the worst. How, how the mind exaggerates a situation and and like feeds the fear. I mean, again, we see that happening here with the children of Israel. As they become paralyzed by fear, it, it gave them an exaggerated perspective. I mean, obviously there were some giants in the land. I don't doubt that. But notice the exaggeration. They said, We look like grasshoppers compared to them. What is that? That's a that's a Like a huge exaggeration, but that's what fear does. When when we allow fear to rule in our lives, it makes the obstacle, whatever the obstacle is, the challenge, whatever the challenge is, it will, it, it, it like magnifies that challenge, what fear does. And if we're not careful, fear can cause us to make the challenge actually bigger than God. Now, obviously, it's not bigger than God, but in our mind, but the exaggeration of the situation again—that's what happened for the children of Israel. Fear caused them to exaggerate the situation, which then moved them into retreat mode. Uh, fourthly, when, when fear rules in our life, it will always cause—it will also cause us to forget God's faithfulness. It's amazing how fear overwhelms us to the place that we forget what God's done. We we forget all the ways that God's bailed us out of trouble and proven Himself faithful. Again, looking back to the example of the children of Israel, they're living in the middle of a miracle. Again, there's the ten judgments Against Egypt, they, they come out of Egypt and they, and they face this obstacle of the Red Sea and, and God parts the Red Sea. Pretty amazing. I mean, I haven't seen the parting of the bathtub yet, much less the parting of the Red Sea. But they see it. They walk through on dry ground. There's water that comes out of a rock. Again, I mentioned it earlier, but God every day is feeding them quelling and man. I mean, they have their needs met. They are in the middle of a miracle and all of a sudden, they hit this point of opposition. There's fear. And when fear moves in, all of a sudden, they forget the faithfulness of God. And they begin to question God. Why would God bring us here? Why would God lead us to this place? See, when fear rules in your life, you'll begin to question the faithfulness of God. You'll begin to question can I can I really trust God? That's where the children of Israel are, they were at, and they're explaining why? Because of this dominant emotion of fear. Not, not only that, but when fear rules in our lives, we retreat from God's best. Rather than stepping out in faith, we find ourselves backpedaling. Again, it's exactly what the children of Israel did. Fear had so captivated them that they, they decided they wanted to retreat back to Egypt. They decided they wanted to go back to slavery. If you look to 14 verse 4, and they said to each other, we should just choose a leader and retreat. See, fear, fear actually had them running from God's best rather than running to God's best. Don't miss that. Because I'm convinced fear, if it's a controlling factor in your life, if it's ruling over your life, not if you have a fear. Listen, we all have have a fear. We all face fear. But if fear has become a dominant emotion, if fear is ruling in your life, then it's going to have you running from God's best rather than running to God's best. As I said earlier, it becomes the limiting factor. If there's anything we can learn from the children of Israel and their poor example, it's simply this. We don't want to be be ruled by fear. We don't want to allow fear to so overwhelm us that we lose sight of the greatness of God, the power of God, and the ability of God. As I move toward wrapping this up this morning, I, I want to... I want to talk with you about how you can confront fear. Because for me, it's not enough just to talk about fear. But we need to talk talk about how do we deal with it? How can we confront fear so that fear is not ruling in our lives, keeping us from God's best? Let me leave you with just a few ways that you can confront fear. The first is this. Get the truth of the situation you're facing. The truth. Obviously here in this story, the children of Israel didn't have the the whole truth of their situation. They were allowing exaggeration in their imagination to feed fear. That's why they said we look like grasshoppers compared to them. They didn't have the facts of the situation. If you're going to properly confront fear, then you need to get the truth on the situation you're facing. Don't allow your imagination or your thinking... um, to make an obstacle or challenge bigger than it really is. What well, you want to get the facts, get the truth. I maybe mean, there's an acronym. Maybe you've heard of this acronym before, but I think it's it's pretty accurate. It's this fear, F E A R, is is this false evidence appearing real? And oftentimes that's what fear is. It's not truth. It's false evidence. Maybe there's a maybe there's a piece of truth in it, but it's not. All truth. Oftentimes it's false evidence that appears real and we're responding to false evidence, not truth. So the first thing you need to do is is you need to discover the truth of the situation. If you I encourage you to read numbers 13 and 14, Caleb, one of the 12 spies had truth. He found the truth of the situation and it totally changed his perspective Therefore, he was ready to lead the charge. He was ready to go in and take the land. Why? Because he had the truth of the situation. So first, if if we're going to confront the fear that could rule in our lives and limit our lives, the first thing we want to do is get the truth of the situation that we're facing. The second way we can confront fear that would limit our lives is by feeding our faith. Feeding our faith. I love what Joyce Myers says. She says, when fear comes knocking at your door, send faith to answer. That's a great statement. When fear comes knocking at your door, send faith to answer. And that's exactly the position that Caleb, one of the 12 spies, took that was sent into the land. If you look on to Numbers chapter 14, verse 8 and 9, listen to what Caleb says. And this is a huge statement of faith. He says, if the Lord is pleased with us, he'll lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Listen, Caleb was simply declaring that God was greater than the adversary they would face and that God was going to fight for them. Because of because Caleb was a man of faith and he was feeding his faith, listen, this was fear was not an issue for him. Again, he was he was ready to lead the charge. Listen, when you feed your faith, God becomes bigger than the obstacle. When you feed your faith, whatever the obstacle is, what God becomes bigger, therefore there's not the place for fear. So when 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 Fear comes. What well, we want to do, we want to feed our faith. So how do you feed your faith? Let me give you these three statements. I think they're really significant. How do you feed your faith? The first is you want to recall, uh, excuse me, to, you want to recount God's promises. Secondly, you want to remember God's faithfulness. Thirdly, you want to rest in God's in God's presence. So recount His promises, remember His faithfulness. Rest in His presence. Now, let me talk about each of these for, for, for just a moment. First, you want to recount God's promise. You want to begin to speak the very promises of God that have been revealed for your good, for your benefit. You want to begin to speak what God's already spoken. Scriptures like Romans 8, 28, it says, In all things God works for the good of those who love Him who have been called according to His purpose. Scriptures like you're more than a conqueror, you're more than an overcomer through Christ. Scriptures like Isaiah 43, 1 and 2, where God says, Fear not, I've redeemed you, I've called you, my name, you're mine. When you pass through the rivers, they'll not, they'll not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. It's God's provision. Listen, as you begin to recount and recall and speak the promises of God, this is what I can guarantee you your faith is going to be energized because you're simply saying what God's already said so how do we feed our faith first first you want to recount God's promises and secondly you want to remember God's faithfulness simply begin to reflect on all the times that God's revealed his protection or his provision for your life as fear is like pressing in just kind of stop for a minute and think about okay God was faithful here oh yeah and this season he was here and when I got this report from the banker that wasn't so good, God was faithful here. When I got this call from the doctor and I had concerns, God was faithful here. As you begin to recall the faithfulness of God, as you begin to look to your past, as to where God showed up in your past and where He's bailed you out in your past, this is what it's going to do. It's going to energize your faith in the present. I guarantee it. So you want to you remember God's faithfulness. And thirdly, you want rest, to rest in God's presence. And as I was thinking about this statement, rest in God's presence. For me, the best way I can identify this how it works for me, resting in God's presence is like driving up to the gas station and filling up my tank. It energizes me. And the craziness and the press of all that's happening in our world that could generate fear to find that place, to find that space where I can just rest in God's presence. To be still. You know, Psalm 23, 4 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because, God, you're with me. Your presence. And your presence. Man, my faith is energized. I can confront the reality of the fear that has a tendency to, again, limit my life, to limit your life. So a great way to confront fear is is by feeding your faith. Listen, if you feed your faith, you'll starve your fears. Oftentimes that's why we're overwhelmed by fear is we're not feeding our faith. We're not not focusing on God. We're not not keeping our perspective right. Feed your faith. Starve your fears. Here's a third thing, really quick. The last way I think that we can confront the fear that often tries to limit our lives, it's this. Worship in the midst of your fear. Declare God's greatness in the midst of your fear. Sing loud in the midst of your fear. You say, well, I don't sing very good. That might scare the old devil off. That's all I know. I know when I start singing, it's so painful. He can't stay around. That's why I sing loud. But worship in the midst of your fear. And this is what it does. This is the power of worshiping in the midst of your fear. It shifts your perspective. It shifts your focus. And it opens the way for God to. To act in the midst of that situation that's generating the fear. A great illustration of this, and I would encourage you to read the whole story. I'm just going to give you a quick summary. But a great illustration of this is Acts 16. In Acts 16 we have two leaders, Paul and Silas, who've been out doing God's work, preaching the gospel. Casting out demons. Um, they, they cast a demon out of a young girl who was making a lot of money for her slave uh For her owners, she was a slave. For so, for her owners, she was predicting the future and kind of doing all this sorcery stuff. And finally, Paul and Silas were tired of her just following them around, you know, being a pest. And so, Scripture says Paul cast this demon out, and all of a sudden, the owners realized, "Wow, we're not going to make any money off this woman now." Because this demon that was in her is no longer in her, and it's Paul's fault. So here's Paul and Silas. They're wrongly arrested. They're falsely accused. They are stripped. The Scripture says they're stripped and they're beaten, and they're put into an inner cell locked in chains. Now, how many would agree with me? That's an opportunity for fear. You've just been stripped. You've had the living daylights beat out of you. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, whether you're going to get beat again or whether you might be beheaded. I'd say it's quite, a, it's quite an opportunity for fear. But it's interesting, Acts 16.25, it says, Here, here's Paul and Silas in chains, in prison. The scripture says about midnight, and they began to pray to God and sing hymns. And then Scripture goes, I, I like the way the Scripture goes on to say, and the other prisoners were listening to them. They were listening to them singing in the midst of their injustice. They were listening to them singing in the midst of a situation that was ripe for fear. In the midst of their worship, God sends an earthquake. Chains fall off, prison doors fly open. And their situation is radically changed. Why? Because of their worship. This is what I know. Worship not only opens the way for God to act in your life, but worship, again, it changes your perspective. So when fear is pressing in on you, when fear is trying to rule in your life, when fear is trying to be that dominant emotion to limit your life, I encourage you to do what Paul and Silas did. Sing outrageously. Sing radically. Declare the greatness of God right in the middle of the situation that you're facing. I'm telling you, if you do that, fear will not find a foothold in your life. It can't and it won't. Why? Because your focus is on God, not on the situation. Because the reality is is that you're going to face fear in your life. I think that's true for all of us. Again, the fallen world we live in. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to live in fear. There's a difference between I'm facing a fear and I'm living in fear. You don't want to live in fear. You don't want to allow fear to rule in your life. Again, from the illustration of the children of Israel, what will happen? It'll have you in the retreat mode every time. You'll be running from God's best rather than running to God's best. Fear will become that limiting factor in your life. So what when, when fear comes, What you want to you reset your focus. Declaring the greatness of God. I, I want to leave you this morning with two more acronyms of fear. All kinds of acronyms of fear have been created. But fear can actually mean two different things, depending on how you respond to it. So so these two acronyms are on the screen. Fear can mean this. Face everything and run. That's what the children of Israel did. They faced the giants. They saw the giants and they ran. But the problem was fear. Or... Fear can mean this, I'm going to face everything and rise. I'm going to face the things that the world would bring at me, that the enemy would throw at me. I'm going to put my focus on God and I'm going to rise above that challenge, whatever that challenge is. I'm going to rise above that circumstance, whatever the circumstance is. I'm going to rise above that adversity, whatever the adversity is. Why? Because of this fact, God is in me, with me, for me. Listen, God is in you, with you, for you. So the God that's in you is greater than anything you'll ever face in this world, in this life. Therefore, we don't have to be ruled by fear. We don't have to be dominated by fear. Will we face fear? Well, sure we will. But may we be those who face everything and rise because of the reality of God being, again, in us, with us, and for us. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank You today for Your presence in our lives. God, I thank You for that of, of Your commitment, God, to work in us and for us. And we thank You for Your presence That there's there's nowhere we can go, God, where you're not. And Lord, that as we begin to call upon you and focus on you and, and worship you, oh God, that you show up in dynamic ways in our lives. Lord, my prayer this morning is that we would be able to learn from the poor example of the children of Israel. Who missed it? All because of fear. Bottom line, they missed it, God. They missed the future you had. They missed the promise you had for them. All because of fear. Holy Spirit, help us to learn from their example. That we might, that we might not cower under fear, but that when fear comes... We might actually be fear fighters. We might be those who stand against fear in the power of Your name. Lord, may we be those who feed faith. May we be those who worship in the midst of the fear. Opening the way, God, for You to work in us. Again, God, what I know, because of the world we live in, it's just the reality of the fallen world we live in. Lord, for every individual in this room, they're going to have to face fear. But Lord, I pray, Lord, That the fear they face will not become that of a dominant emotion, a negative emotion, a limiting factor in their lives. But Lord, may we face everything and rise because our focus is on You. May we face everything and rise because You are Lord of our lives. May we face everything and rise because of the reality, God, that You are working in us and for us for our good. I pray these things in Jesus' name.